0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. You know, we got to get this spot done quickly because I'm starved. Mm -hmm. And you know what's always on my mind when I want something that isn't heavy at lunch? Right. The poke bar. Oh, yeah. At Zupan's. Zupan's. It's always on my mind Mm -hmm. because you can go in there and fill up your bowl for less than 10 bucks and have delicious fresh fish. And I don't have to choose, unlike going to a sushi bar where you... Pick one or two things. I can pick three or four varieties
1: and put them in that bowl. Create it the way you want to do it. Exactly. Same thing I with their it. salad bar. I do this. I've been doing this salad bar every time I go in and do my shopping there. I also swing by the salad bar. That's good for you. I need healthy. to
0: do a little. I need to do another visit or two to the salad bar. But the poke bar isn't bad. I yeah. feel a little
1: healthy, a little bit healthy when I'm eating that. Certainly. Uh, <laughs> if you also go to zupans. you can also check out their great seller uh, Z events, their regional dinners. They've constantly got those going on, and you can see the full lineup. Online at zupans.com,
0: and also speaking of the sellers, they have an incredible selection of wine from all over the world. They do a really good job. We mm-hmm. found we found a wine there from uh, Badia Colto Bono, Ooh. where we went on our trip in Italy, and they're carrying it there.
1: Very nice. They so got the three locations: Burnside, Lake Grove, McAdam, and of course, always zupans.com. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's right at the fork. Portland's food scene podcast back for another week. Back for a uh, repeat week. Is that what we call these? Chris? We love the repeats because
0: what it means is our audience has court. By yes. the way,
1: Court hey, Johnson. Hello, Court. Chris Angeles. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. Good to be here with you. But yeah. what it means is we've been here for no a number of years together, and our audience has grown. So. Yeah. We felt that there were a lot fewer listeners to who had the opportunity to listen in years past, and so now here we're pulling some out of the archives for people to enjoy. This one from only a year ago. Yeah, um, Aaron Franklin, not in well, who's kind of become a uh, what would we call him uh, the Austin ambassador
1: to Portland. There we go,
0: the Austin food
1: ambassador I like that. to Portland. It's kind of kind of like you know uh, cities have sister cities. He's kind of our. He's our brother from another mother. That is Austin.
0: Right? What? Yeah. I don't know. That you just got me confused. I have a son I'm, named
1: Austin. I'm compli- so. I'm totally. That's me normally confused. <laughs>
0: um, but we thought we'd repeat it again because it's feast time coming up, and he's doing uh, along with uh, Matt from Matt's Barbecue and mm-hmm. Rodney from Padna's and Maya from uh, May. And I think there are some others in there, and I apologize if I don't know. But those are some four key people doing what is the hardest to get ticket in at Feast, which might be the hardest to get ticket all year long for an event in Portland.
1: Totally. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. When we spoke to him about a year ago, he had just made the decision to not come to Feast because he had the fire. Right. Is exactly. That, am, am I thinking about correctly? If not, we can erase this whole thing right here. But no, I believe no, that's no, the way no. it all went down. Don't, don't erase the erase thing. Okay. All right. Uh, don't touch that mem- dial. My memory serves me. Yeah, your
0: memory serves you correctly. So they had a fire at Franklin right before, so he couldn't come to feast, and they had to cancel that event. Yeah. So, but it's back this year, and I uh, believe I have tickets to go. Oh, nice! So I'm excited about that. Right before we leave for Barcelona, um, and so we thought it would be a good idea. It was, you know we look at our archives, who might be good to bring back in the, uh, for people to hear now, and. Aaron was is a good interview. He was he's a he's a really nice guy. If you recall uh, the visa ads from a couple of years ago, he was all over TV as the barbecue pitmaster that everybody right. that everybody wanted to yep. covet. He's hosted, and I think we talk about it in the podcast. He's hosted Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and they have a very democratic process in the line at Franklin Barbecue in Austin where. It's a long line, and you get on it, and it's a party. Well, yeah. you wait your three hours, generally, till they're sold out. Mm. Um, and Barack was going to wait, but uh, everyone, it seems, insisted that he... Moved to, m- move to the front of the line. Moved to the front of the line. Deserved. Think, yeah, deservedly mm-hmm. so. So I've had the good fortune of eating his barbecue, and it's just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's a real treat. So it's also a treat to have him on Right at the Fork.
2: Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more with delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zoo Pans, on West Burnside, McAdam or Lake Grove. And at ZooPans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Steakhouse, owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard in Portland for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks in Portland, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com and buy San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh sparkling water with an extraordinary Italian heritage. It's a great refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name the next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its foundation in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. Try it with your next meal and enjoy the difference San Pellegrino can make.
0: We were very concerned for you over here.
3: Yeah, yeah. Fire's no good, turns out.
0: Yeah, no. It well, thought. it is, but you got to contain it in the in your your what you're cooking.
3: Yep, true. You, true. you don't want it's it only out. good for the only good for the meats.
0: You're probably tired of talking about it, aren't you, Aaron?
3: You know, I haven't actually talked about it too much. It's been so strange. Like, you know, after that happened on Saturday, I, uh, you know, my wife Stacy and I have so much work to do, but still nothing to do at the same time because we're just waiting on other people.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a while, I would
3: imagine. Uh, you know, hopefully, not too long. Hopefully, hopefully by the end of the week, we'll have stuff moving pretty fast.
0: Okay. So, speaking of talking about your restaurant a lot, I think of any guest we've ever had on Right at the Fork uh, in, in prepping for this interview, there probably isn't a guest who's been interviewed more than you. And uh, I mean, I'm
3: I don't I, know. Maybe, maybe not.
0: Well, I don't know. I can't, I, I'm, I'm not going to go down and list them now, but I'll tell you what, there were pages and pages of interviews both print and uh, radio and, I guess, a lot of television, too. Um, do you uh, – h- that's a big part of your job now, right, is being the front man for the uh, restaurant. You're not cooking. You, know, you don't really, cook the way you used to cook.
3: I, well, I, I definitely do a lot more of that than I, that I do cook these days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really – I mean, I think for the most part, I'm just kind of the maintenance guy for the restaurant um, at this point. You know, I don't really do a ton of interviews. I don't really do much TV stuff just by choice. Um, about three and a half years ago, we had a kiddo, so it was kind of like, yeah, I think I'm just pretty content sticking around the restaurant, working on stuff and, and just kind of hanging out and not doing a bunch of like other stuff. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't remember the last time I did an interview actually.
0: So um, <clears throat> let's talk about that a little bit about your working on the restaurant. I once, a long time ago, uh, was having a discussion with a guy in Eastern Oregon who had a great uh, bed and breakfast. And he said, there's absolutely no way to sustain this if you can't do all the handiwork yourself, all the repairs and so forth. And you've got an incredibly successful restaurant that sells out every day, lines around the block, and yet you're still the guy fixing it up, cleaning and doing all that. How important is that to your profitability and how important is it to you just to do it to still stay in touch with your restaurant
3: well it's pretty important to me to do it cuz i really enjoy doing that stuff i mean we built that restaurant you know we probably built i bet 60% of that restaurant ourselves without contractors um you know and i love a good project maybe that's why i'm not too bummed out by this fire thing cuz you know just just another project but um yeah i mean i like working on stuff it's fun i like changing things at the restaurant it's been fun for me and also challenging Uh, but as we've gotten busier over the years our needs have changed so it's not like we had started off with a you know a ton of investors or any investors for that matter and like this brand new shiny building you know i mean we started off pretty small and then just have been having to add on to it ever since um and as our needs have changed and like oh we need a cooler oh we need this we're gonna have to add this we need a place to put a sausage grinder Um, so that kind of keeps me pretty knee deep in projects and uh and i like it that way it's cool did I mean, you
0: was your did you grow up around uh, someone who was pretty handy? Because I did, and I still, you know, putting a hammer in a drywall is about, or nailing a drywall is about as far as I can go. What made you? Yeah. What made you so good at what you're doing for your own restaurant? I
3: have, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, I've always built stuff. Even before the restaurant thing happened, you know, I did tube amp repair for guitar stuff, built guitars, did guitar repair, grew up in a music store. Uh, putting together PA systems and stuff, you know, I've always been working on cars, always been building houses. Um, I just, I don't know. It's fun. I, I like doing that stuff.
0: So when you were a kid or what, what did you think you were going to be doing at this stage of your life or what did your parents think you were going to be doing at this stage of the life, your life?
3: Not real sure. <laughs> I'm not real sure of an answer for, for either one of those questions. Um, I just kind of figured I would always be doing something that I really enjoyed doing. So, I guess mission accomplished. Um, and I'm, you know, my family probably had a lot more questions than I did. Like, God, what is this kid going to do? Oh, my lord.
0: And they um, di- they did what you're doing now, but uh I don't think from what I read they were as passionate about it as you are.
3: No, they yeah, my parents had a barbecue joint for a few years when I was a kid, but you know, it wasn't quite the same thing that we've got. That's for sure. Just a kind of a small Mon paul barbecue joint, which you know, oddly enough, it's kind of what I visualized our place would be like in the early days. Um, it just got so busy that it, you know, ended up being a lot more than that.
0: Now we know that you're. I know firsthand that your brisket and your other items are just spectacular. Um, but what else do you think goes into that? Because there are a lot of great barbecue places there and everywhere else. We got we have a few up here. You know, Rodney, at Podnos is fantastic. Oh yeah, too. love Padna's. Right. So what is it? You know, as you were just describing um, the how Franklin Barbecue came to be, do you think it's because you started really small and you didn't have these big expectations? It just kind of people fell in love with this homey, small operation that just kind of kept growing.
3: Yeah, yeah, I totally think so. I, and I think that if we, you know, like say for example, we you know we started in a trailer. Um, I was cooking about two briskets a day, three briskets on the weekend, which now we do about 120 a day. Well, actually, this week we're doing zero, but um, (laughs) under normal circumstances, about 120 a day. Um, But I mean, I can't even imagine how terrible the food would have been if we had jumped in to opening a place that was just busy from the get-go. I mean, like, you have to learn how to cook that much food, and we're still trying to figure it out. You know, things change all the time, but I think that much in the way that I like to tinker with projects and like to build things and work on old stuff and, and do whatever. I mean, cooking barbecue is like a tinker suit. You know, it's not like you turn on an oven and you walk away and you come back at a certain time or temperature and it's done. I mean, you have to, that's the craft of it. You know, you have to work with fire. You have to work with your hands. You have to keep working on stuff. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of what, what helped make us really good in the early days is that we were small enough where we could experiment. We could tinker with things. We could actually learn along the way without it, you know, making a huge impact if we didn't do a great job. So then by the time we got used to it, then we'd get busier, learn how to do that, get busier, learn how to do that. So I think it all really, all, you know, I'm a big fan of everything just kind of organically falling into place. And, um, and I think the whole restaurant is a pure result of that.
0: And, you know, you said, I've I've read that you said you're constantly learning. You just said it. Is there anything you can cite in the last, how many years have you, has Franklin Barbecue been open now?
3: Uh, working on eight years.
0: Okay, so is there anything you can think of, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but in the last year that you've learned that that has been a light bulb to say, okay, here's we've just tackled this uh anything new in the eighth year?
3: um, nothing too new, but I tell you you know i even for example, last or two years ago when I was cooking at feast, um I tried something different on the briskets, and it worked out really, really well, and I've actually been kind of like tinkering with that stuff, and that uh you know, but just like you were just randomly, I mean, I've cooked a ton of food over the years, and, uh, you know, you just one day are just like, oh, I'm going to try this. Ooh, that worked out good. So that's kind of like, it's not that you really have like a light bulb that goes off like, oh my God, I'm going to try this. You know, I'm going to try this special rub or whatever. But you just kind of, you might do something, you might see something in a slightly different way than, than you had before and, and experiment with something. And, you know, it's kind of cool stumbling into fun things.
0: I think it's probably fun to have different events to do where you can do that because, here we have, I, I think, of uh, Ken's Pizza here. He serves a certain pizza at Ken's Artisan Pizza, and then he opened up something at Pine Street Mark, Market called Trifecta, and he's doing a different pizza there. He wanted to, he wanted to tr- showcase his skills and, and do something a little different. I guess events allow you to do that. Did you do anything different at Hot Luck? Probably not because it was the event was largely centered around your restaurant.
3: <laughs> yeah, strange. <laughs> um, so, well, so doing barbecue is a little bit tricky because when I do events, if I don't do brisket, if I do anything else, it doesn't matter what how good it is or how terrible it is. Like if it's not Franklin barbecue brisket, people are so bummed. So you're kind of forced to have to cook the same thing every single time, but it is fun. Like hotluck was a lot of fun because I actually did mashed potatoes and pot roast. Um, and it was, it was really fun. And it was, you know, something that I never get to cook. Uh, but since we had done an event on that Thursday night at the restaurant, you know, I was able to kind of, for Friday night's event, do something totally different. So it was it was a lot of fun. So it kind of just depends on the event. Sometime, if it's something that I'm doing and I feel comfortable with it, um, yeah, I might try to do something different. But more times than not, I'm, I'm just too busy to spend the time on it. So I just kind of have to do the same thing as always.
0: Yeah, well, I have to say um, I had the uh, – opportunity to come down uh your way for hot luck um which is for those who who don't know you worked with mike thielen who's the founder of feast here in and he is
3: one of the uh, three founders of hot luck
0: right who's the other founder who's the third founder
3: uh someone named james moody uh he's one of our old school friends here in town uh he owns a a rock club called the mohawk used to be part of fun 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 fest used to be a partner in transmission entertainment been booking shows forever just super super rad guy about town that just you know super nice does cool stuff
0: well it was really cool that you integrated music the way you did into hot luck i really enjoyed yeah, that, that was
3: mostly all that music stuff was was all moody that's what um, i figured the music guy
0: that's why that's what i figured but i you know i've been going to feast every year and i i went to your dinner when uh latac first opened yeah that, 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 night. Was, fun. that was fantastic I love Feast, it's great, but and it may have been that I was in a different city and everything was kind of new and uh but I loved Hot Luck. And I've been telling people since I got back that was that uh you know, no disrespect to Feast because I love it, but that was my favorite food festival that I've been to and cool. I've, been, I've been to a lot. But that one was uh really well done first year Everything, uh, you know, I wasn't waiting on long lines. I think that's part of it for me, is that I was able to... Yeah, and
3: that was really, you know, super intentional. I mean, big kudos to Team Feast, because really, I mean, you know, Emily and He and Jillian and all those guys at Team Feast and Mike, um, you know, really put all that stuff together. I mean, just crushed it, you know, like no one can. And, um, yeah, I mean, it it turned out it was such an awesome thing. It was like the most organized old-school backyard barbecue, you know, any of us have ever been to.
0: And that Saturday night event was fantastic. Out, I, I don't remember the name of the place, but that field, that was just—and it was a hot day, hot for a Portlander, that's for sure.
3: Oh and, yeah, it was super steamy, and uh, we just barely dodged the rain that day too.
0: Oh, that's right. Um, but it was—it uh, was a really cool festival, and you're—you're you're going to do year two, I would imagine, right? You didn't just—it's not a one-out. Absolutely. And uh, yep. anyth- What do you have planned? Have you already started talking? About- I know, Mike. Uh, couldn't come to Spain with us because we're leaving the day after Feast, and he had to have his no. debriefing, and he wanted to come. So I'm sure you've already started talking about next year at Hotline.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm working on it. I mean, you know, the, all the Feast guys are definitely taking a breather because, you know, there's a thing called Feast that right. they've got to work on. Um, but, yeah, I'm working on some stuff here, and we're, we're trying to decide on our dates and everything. And, yeah, yeah, it's chugging right along.
0: I am a, I wholeheartedly recommend to anyone especially if someone's never been to Austin. It's a great way to experience Austin. Well, it's Austin a great way to time. head
3: to Austin without having to mess with like the south by southwest stuff. Right. You know and you know kind of like the just the headache of trying to find a hotel room and all that kind of stuff and yeah, I mean I was I was super happy with Hot luck. I I couldn't have been more excited about it.
0: I spent uh, a day and a day or two on the front end and a day or two on the back end and I got to go to uh, some places like uh, Laundrette, which I really liked. Um, but oh, I have yeah, a, that's a great place. I have a question for you. So now you're not um, you're not going to be able to be at Feast because you're going to be working on your restaurant, and that's such yeah, a shame. Yeah,
3: unfortunately. I, it's such a bummer. We decided that yesterday.
0: Yeah, oh, that was decided yesterday. Well, at some point you have to decide that. Um, a lot of people are going to be very disappointed. I'm disappointed. I wanted to see you up here. Um, one of my favorite people, Wendy, when she heard the news, asked if... There's what they're going to do with your events where we still see your food without you. Is that something you, that can be pulled off or how's that going no, to
3: work? No, unfortunately not. And, and unfortunately, you know, part of the problem with doing feast, um, especially for the Tex-Mex dinner on Sunday night, is that I was going to make a lot of that stuff here in Austin at a restaurant. But since we don't have a restaurant right now, I'm kind of out of luck on that one, too. Um,
0: that probably made it easier for you to make that. Not easier, but made the decision, pushed the decision for
1: you.
3: Yeah, a little bit. And I think, you know, really, I, I was probably pushed more by uh, by Mike, you know, and the rest of the Feast guys are like, hey, you know, just work on your restaurant. It's no big deal. We love you. It's great. We'll see you next year. And, um, you know, and I think we'll probably come up there and do an event outside of, you know, after Feast. Once we get, get our place back together, maybe we'll head up there and do, do something special.
0: Oh, that's cool. So uh, I I'm sure anybody who's into the food scene will be able to find that.
3: Oh yeah, I would think so.
0: Uh, I mean, probably eater will pick it up or something
3: yeah something I think like I think it'll it'll be okay
0: of that sort. So um, um, do you get a little tired of talking about your lines?
3: Um, yeah no, not really. I mean it's it's a reality. <laughs> They're there.
0: They're there, and it's part of the cachet. I mean I remember when I was there uh, a few months ago, I walked up at uh, two o'clock and there were some people walking away who said they'd been there since it was a Saturday seven thirty in the morning oh, and they were happily geez. walking away with their brisket um all excited but it's a party there people bring their um their their you know beach chairs and sit down and just keep moving them up
3: yeah I think um I think it's our little slice of old school Austin um you know I we try to make people wait as, as little as possible. Of course, we try to make it as comfortable as possible for everyone. But um, yeah, just the good vibes that happen out in that parking lot. is pretty cool. You know, it's a, uh, it's really special to see people that, that show up and actually enjoy standing in line. And, you know, it's not like you're just standing there, like, you know, farting around on your telephone. I mean, you're like making friends, drinking some beers. Somebody makes a taco run. I mean, it's like a little, like makeshift community for four hours.
0: Yeah. And, and you, you um, can't... it's really
3: cool. Like the amount of, Friendships that have been started there, people have met and ended up getting married and having families. People have actually gotten—we did a wedding in line once. Mm. Um, you know, it's crazy, and it's just so cool to see how sweet people are and how how well people get along. It's it's really cool.
0: Are they coming back for their anniversaries every year, stand in line and and uh, you know and I celebrate? haven't
3: seen them since, so maybe not. they don't live in the states either. Uh, so it might be a bit of a trek for those guys.
1: Let's take a minute uh, right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat, Ringside Steakhouse. It's been a favorite for a lot of people. For
0: uh, they're celebrating their 75th year next year, which is awesome. Yeah, who else? I guess what Hubers, maybe in Portland, that has been around that long. But right, no one's been uh, carrying the torch for service as long as uh, Ringside Steakhouse. And as of uh, and very recently, also the Fish House, which unfortunately closed. Yeah so they were um if if you haven't heard the story yet they in that space over at fox tower the um the building the tenant wanted more space and the petersons decided that uh they didn't have a younger generation that was interested in operating their restaurant business so they decided to just stick with what they know really well. Mm-hmm. Not that they didn't know the fish house well, but they got an offer they couldn't refuse, I guess, for the space. And uh, and now they're they're going to
1: operate the steakhouse solely. The good news here is if you're a big fan of the onion rings, <laughs> it's all of those. Have, onion those rings. have always been in both places. And I, I had just this past weekend, I introduced a friend of mine to the onion rings. And if you've, if you've never had the ringside onion rings. You are missing out because they are perfection. I've I had
0: friends, two sets of friends here last month who enjoyed that. but also the lobster mashed potatoes, oh, which yeah. you could you could still get we at did inside that, Steakhouse. We did that too. And they have the after nine o'clock happy hour mm-hmm. menu, which is just as good as the fish house is better than the fish house's uh, happy hour menu too. Yeah. So, and all like that, of course, classic state service and an atmosphere. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this, Court, because. You have to be paying a little bit of attention. Portland Business Journal, Ringside One, Best Restaurant in Portland. Uh, And a few categories as well. Not only Best Restaurant, but I think Best Service, Best Decor... That might have been it. Other, I, may, I may be wrong on that, but listeners are
1: certainly welcome to, to call me out. Yes, certainly. Easily the best service in Portland that I've experienced myself. I think so. Is at the steakhouse. It's, so.
0: o- it's old school service. Right. It's You know, it's asking the right questions and knowing what you like when you come in if mm-hmm. you've been there multiple times. So yeah, Ringside Steakhouse over on West Burnside. What's the, the website is? Uh, ringsidesteakhouse.com.
1: Yeah, there you go. That easy, and that's where you can also go and set up a reservation today. Yeah, and you
0: can do that as individuals or if you have a corporate outing, you're going to impress. Mm-hmm. And you had the president visit you too. that must have been uh, just what you know, you've got already uh, a lot of popularity and, and it's uh, you know it's mayhem over there, and then the president comes.
3: Yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting.
0: <laughs> did you get to spend some time with him?
3: Yeah, yeah, we did. We hung out for a, a fair bit of time, and, man, just couldn't, couldn't have been a nicer guy. So nice and so hospitable, and, you know, all of them were, the whole Secret Service were really, really thankful for us letting him in and getting them food and all this stuff. And, yeah, it was, it was a super pleasant experience.
1: Were you aware that the visit was going to happen? Did they give you any lead time on that, or was it a spur-of-the-moment thing?
3: Uh, we had about 20 minutes. Oh, okay. um, And we didn't, they actually didn't tell us anything. The Secret Service guys just kind of walked in um, and started checking out the place. And I guess, I mean, obviously they knew hours before, you know, but they had, you know, checked cars for bombs and were had snipers on roofs and dudes and in sunglasses indoors. And, you know, they've, they kind of swooped in and, yeah, it took about 20 minutes probably. Huh.
0: It's, it's incredible what they do. I remember a few years ago when Clinton was visiting a restaurant in uh, Westport, and they had frogmen in the water in the Saugatuck River. Really? For just think think about for every single Did they really? yeah, that's great. Yeah, for every single visit they make. And now this guy, uh, you know, is a whole other issue with with everything going on with him. Would you host uh, the current president?
3: <laughs> well, you know, we don't have any ketchup to put in our brisket, so I, I don't think it's too <laughs> interesting. <stuff laughs> that
1: way. That's the perfect answer. There is no bottle to be found in the building.
3: Well, we have we have big cans for the barbecue sauce, but you know, I'm not going to open up a can for one serving. Sure, so. right, yeah. Why would you? So, what That would th- th- be wasteful.
0: What do you think is the uh the common thread? I mean, I can answer it too, but it's really interesting to me how similar Austin and Portland are. So that you can go one place and literally feel like you're 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 in the other place except for the obviously you know it's a little drier <laughs> and the the yeah. uh, environment's a little different what do you think the common thread is that when you come up to portland i mean you're not i don't know if you have the same relationship with seattle or san francisco but somehow how did you establish your relationship with portland
3: um really i mean i would say mike Thielen, you know and just kind of going to feast for the first year and the um you know we have we're uh, really good friends with uh rodney and elizabeth over podnos um, and they came to the trailer when we were first opening, and uh, Rodney had emailed, you know, because he's from uh, Waxahachie, Texas, which is about two hours north of Austin, and um, you know, email is like, hey, you know, we're coming into town. We have this barbecue place up in Portland, and uh, you know, I was I didn't really respond. It was way too busy. It was when Stacy and I were running the trailer by ourselves at that point so It was like really in the first couple months, and they came in line, and you know, we met him and so it was like, hey, let's go get a drink. And, uh, yeah, just kind of gradually just become friends with their friends. And coming up there for feasts, we've become friends with other guys that run restaurants. And, you know, I think that's definitely our common thread is just, you know, the the service industry and, you know, just mutual friends and stuff. But, I mean, really, the similarities between Portland and Austin are pretty huge. I mean, you've got a lot of like-minded people. You've got great food. You've got good record stores. You've got good coffee shops. You guys have way better than we do. Um, But, yeah, I mean – Everybody just kind of, and, you know, I mean, everybody knows a ton of people in both places also. So, you know, there's that.
0: There's that. Do you have any uh, favorite places that you like in Portland?
3: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think our first stop off the plane is always uh, Pock Um on a uh, division, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, then, now there are about four of them, I think. I don't know the well, exact the number. Well, the
3: first but, one, I guess, was was that. That's yeah, that's on
0: that's right. on division, and if if you went when it was first open uh, or when it was really a cart, division is a completely different place right now, and so yeah, and that and, yeah,
3: and that street has gotten crazy.
0: And it was Pock Pock that made that happen. I mean, it was a place that nobody would go, and that, mm-hmm. that was the catalyst to change everything over there. And honestly, a lot of Portland changed because of pot, pock, pock. Yep. You know, people started learning that hey, if you if you build a great restaurant in a in a uh, neighborhood that needs it, then it can go from there. Country Cat did it. Have you ever been to Country Cat up here?
3: Yep, absolutely. To Adam's yep. place. Love uh, love Adam's place. Um, yeah, I mean, God, there's so much good food up there. I think uh, our first up off the plane is always that pac pock, uh, nongs. You know, we can't get enough of, of nongs. Um, Ava Jean's is super great. There's just, God, there's a ton of great restaurants around there.
0: So when you come up to Feast, do you have time to jump around? Because if not Feast, I would imagine you're not flying up to Portland just to take a little vacation and hang out.
3: No, but I think we will this year since we're not going to get to come up for Feast. Oh, cool. Um, I think we'll, we'll see how our schedule looks. But, um, yeah, we usually, you know, my, my cooks at Feast are always, that's about a 30-hour workday for me. Um, and I don't do a lot of those anymore, so you know, there's like a day's worth of prep, about thirty hours to cook it and serve it, and then I typically go to sleep after that, and you know that kind of takes me out of the whole weekend. so I can't really do much feast stuff um just because we're we're busy working on our little thing. but um, yeah, we always stay an extra couple days. We so, normally get about three or four days out of it.
0: Do you find that the uh the people who go to feast are? How are they similar to the, Aust, what is it, Austinians, Austinites? Austinites. Austinites. Yeah, uh, um, yeah t-
3: totally the same. You know, and there's a ton of people that used to live in Austin that live up there that always come to our events too. So it's kind of, we always see old friends and yeah, it's just way fun.
0: And so what's it you- would. Uh,
3: I, I don't even do events. Like I don't I don't cook festivals or anything. I don't do events at all um, except feast and now hot luck are really the only two things I do. And then I cook with my friend Chris Shepard in Houston uh, once a year for a uh, an MS benefit.
0: So I'm sure over time, yeah, you've decided, here's what I do, here's what I don't. You said you're not doing mm-hmm. many interviews now or television. You did that Visa commercial that ran a lot. I saw it yeah, a million times. Yeah, they times. wouldn't take that off. So uh, talk a little bit about how, yes, well, that's too bad, isn't it, that they didn't take it off. Talk a little bit about how that came about and... What the residual, you know, getting re- checks for residuals on that, when you have no idea where it's running, how that how that works?
3: Um, well, I'm going to say it's pretty cool um, getting getting checks in the mail. I, uh, you <laughs> know, they had wanted to do that commercial. It uh, approached us a number of times that I'd said no, probably three or four times. Why? One afternoon. Why did you say eh, no? You know, I just don't want to, like, be on some corporate commercial thing. You know, it's just not, it's not my theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, um, at the same time, like, so I'd finished lunch one day, I was cutting and, uh, our, we had one air conditioner in the restaurant at that point, And it was like only a two and a half ton unit. It was a residential unit that came with the building. It was so flipping hot in there. And, um, you know, I think we were measuring like 120 degrees in the kitchen and like 110 in the dining room. I mean, it was really, really hot. And, uh, I'd finished cutting a lunch, you know, like two in the afternoon, something like that. I walked into the kitchen and another reach-in cooler had crapped out because it's too hot in the kitchen for him to run efficiently. And I looked at the thermometer on the wall, and it was it had, like, broken. And then the guy called him. He's like, man, I really want you guys to do this commercial. Please. Like, this would be so cool. And I was looking at was like, you know, sure need a walk-in cooler. I'll do it for this much. <laughs> and they said yes, and that's how we bought our first walk-in cooler.
0: Do you think you left money on the table there, my friend?
3: We don't, I don't
1: really care. All, we all got other... a walk-in cooler. It's <laughs> fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, but still, you probably so. could have got two
1: walk-in coolers, right? Was
0: it just that amount, or does, was because of residuals? Right, it keeps coming when you can't control it. I would imagine.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was a little. I mean, we we got some we got some money. Yeah, you know, for several months after that too.
0: Well, that's that's cool. So listen, you. But, uh, I've heard you say that barbecue restaurants aren't very profitable. So it sounds to me as though you need to do. Things like that, and now you've got your you've got a new company that uh, for 2018, or at least a part of yours, where you're selling uh, bar- you're selling barbecue units. What do you call them? Yeah, totally. And and so, is this the way to make money in barbecue? Because if you just um, stuck with what you're I doing, think... it's a passion, correct?
3: Yeah, it's definitely a passion. I mean, no one, you know, I mean we we, we make enough. You know I mean nobody's getting rich making barbecue unless they might be doing it a little bit wrong um, but yeah, I mean it's fine you know it, it's we're doing it for the love of barbecue we're doing it because we love making people happy and cooking good food um, and the place makes makes fine money and we sell a lot of t-shirts and you know those uh those definitely help our eighty percent food cost on brisket
0: yeah, so you have to you you have to do those kind of things because if you don't then it's wonderful to do it, but you know, you have to sustain and you have to, over the long period, you've been open for eight years, but when you get to where some of your friends down in Lockhart are, you're going to, you know, some of, I, I don't know if it would, would it sustain? And you have said you're not opening other restaurants.
3: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we would, we're sure not going to open another barbecue place.
0: And is that because you want hands-on?
3: Uh, well, yeah, it's that, and also because there aren't enough cows. That's kind of our, uh, which sounds kind of like I'm kidding, but I'm actually not. Um, we already struggle to get enough food. We do about forty-three to 45,000 pounds of brisket a month.
0: Um, how many cows is, how many not, cows And we there? only do
3: prime stuff without growth hormones, so there's not a lot of that out there. And so, um, Yeah, if we, if we opened up another barbecue place, there, just, there wouldn't be enough meat available.
0: And wh- why is that? You would think that if there was the demand that farmers would, would find a way to make that happen.
3: Yeah, yes and no. That so much of that stuff is guided by just kind of more like corporate feedloty commodity kind of based stuff. So, and that's not what we cook. Um so there's not a huge market for what we do. Um, it's increasing, but we're also cooking only two pieces of meat from a whole cow. You know, there's only two briskets on a cow, so it's not like we can utilize the rest of the you know, like the ribeyes and the strip loins and the you know, the whatever else is on there.
0: And so what percentage of your business is brisket then? Because everything else is delicious, too.
3: Yeah, brisket's definitely the big thing. We do probably about 120 briskets to about 65 to 72 racks of pork ribs, uh, about 25 or 30 turkey breasts, and about 25 pork butts a day. And then about 175 to 200 pounds of sausage a day.
0: Wow. And you, can't, you couldn't cook more because you just don't have the, the capacity.
3: Well, you know, like I said, we, we already get as much, we already struggle to get enough for it, um, so there's that.
0: But even if you the could, building, you only have so much room to cook.
3: Yeah, we only have so much room, we only have so many cookers, we could only fit so much food, we could only physically handle, it. we cook 24 hours a day, so we can't get any more hours out of it, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's a little bit past our comfort level already, so anything more than that is just not worth it.
0: All right. I don't want to necessarily get into politics, but I've always been kind of curious as uh, living in Austin in you know, in a, in a blue city in a very red state. Um, how can you talk a little bit about how you, uh, do you pay much attention to politics? You've got to, because you've got these two forces fighting each other a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely pay attention. <laughs> um, I pay attention on a personal level. You know, I mean, I've, I'm addicted to the news, of course, as everyone is these days. Um, but yeah, I we absolutely don't get involved with that stuff at the restaurant. You know, we're the most unbiased restaurant. Like, all are welcome. You know, it doesn't matter. We're all there for good food. And who cares?
0: Yeah, that's true. And I don't mean to pull you into that. Uh, and, and I don't want to... Certainly don't want to have the restaurant be represented one way or the other. I, I guess I was just talking curious for all people in Austin uh how do they how do they deal with that being in kind of on an island in that state
3: um i think you know austin kind of has its own little bubble going on and i think uh everybody everybody that lives in austin is pretty thankful to live in austin austin um and everyone that lives in austin wants to live in austin so you know i think the outside kind of what's going on around us and you know everywhere um yeah I mean, we've we we do not really let things get us down too much, you know, and I think uh, it's kind of the same as probably the same as Portland, same as anywhere. you know, where do, You've do got you gotta think... do your own thing? Keep your head down and keep working?
0: Where do you think you know Portland is now, I think most people agree. We've hit a uh, a new level of development and growth in portland and and it's a changed city. I've been here since two thousand and five. And I think in the last uh, last couple of years, We've got traffic problems we've never dealt with. And you've got restaurants here that have uh, different challenges. We've got minimum wage laws going, uh, changing, and uh, the cost of rent is going up. And so I think the creative, you know, what really drove Portland's food scene, the creativity and the ability to do things, because you didn't have. You could do them and still make do? Um, that's changed. Is that going on in Austin also? Or that
3: is. You, you just described Austin perfectly.
0: Oh, good. Um, then, I, then I'm an authority on Austin.
3: Yep. No. True.
0: So the same um, thing.
3: So no, did that's very s- much the same thing. Our traffic is terrible. Our cost of living is, is through the roof. And, um, yeah, very much like Portland. I mean, the, the people that made Austin Austin, you know, like old hippies, people playing music, you know, artists. People doing doing whatever their, their passions drove them to do. Uh, a lot of those people can't afford to live here anymore. And you know, if it wasn't for this restaurant, I don't think we'd be able to live here either.
0: And so, where are they moving there? Because I, I think a lot of people in Portland are just moving. I don't know where they're going. They're, it's not like you can yeah. just move to a suburb. There aren't. It's a different thing here.
3: Yeah, it's. I think a lot of people are moving to some small towns outside of Austin. But I think a lot of people are probably going to San Antonio. I know a lot of people that have just moved to other states altogether, um, you know. But it's kind of, you know, it's it's a tricky situation. It's kind of hard.
0: And how much uh, influence does San Antonio have on Austin? Because I was able to visit there a few months, and it's a it's got some really cool things going on there, and it's it's bigger, right? You've got you've got professional yeah. basketball, which uh, you know, San have in Antonio
3: is huge. Yeah. Um, and they do have some cool stuff. San Antonio has always been pretty cool. If I couldn't live in Austin but had to stay in Texas, I would totally live in San Antonio. Um, you know, I think San Antonio reminds me of how Austin was about 25 years ago. Um, you know, they've got some great food stuff coming along. There's some super good restaurants there. And, uh, yeah, you can get super cool houses for not a whole lot of money, and it's a cool place. It's very cool.
0: That's interesting that you're citing a larger city who is, is like, Austin was 25 years ago, because up here, everyone cites Astoria, Oregon, as like Portland was 25 years ago. So if you want that experience, you go there. Hmm. Have, have you been able to run around Portland, uh, Oregon a little bit and see the coast and mountains and all that? Yeah,
3: a little bit. We um, we don't normally have a whole lot of time, but um, yeah, we've been through Astoria, though. That, that place is pretty cool. Uh, but we've, we've certainly made that drive down the coast and everything, but yeah, other than Coming up for feasts. I haven't been. I used to play music and go on tour a lot and, and head through there. But outside of those two things, that's about it.
0: Well, that was the older Portland. So, do you get time? I mean, uh, do you do you have the opportunity as you get as you get further along in your business? Or are you looking for more opportunities to travel with your family?
3: Um, we stay pretty busy in Austin. It's we we actually shut down our restaurant ten days a year. Uh, and everybody goes off and does vacation stuff, um, but other than that, yeah, we're pretty much we're pretty much here. Kind Our kid is three and a half years old, and it's
0: yeah, that's not traveling a great right trial. Not the most
3: pleasant thing in the world.
0: No, like, I remember that succinctly. I remember announcing we're not doing this anymore for a while. <laughs> <laughs> never. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then it comes around, but you never know. So where do you, when you have had before you had your uh, before you had kids or a kid, where were you going? What type of places do you like to go?
3: Um. Uh, well, depending on work, work really takes about seven days a week, twenty hours a day. There's not a not a lot of downtime in there. So you weren't um, taking the
0: tent when you closed for ten. I was really referring to those ten days. Uh,
3: yeah. So for those ten days this year, we stayed in town and did maintenance because <laughs> since we cook twenty four hours a day at the restaurant, we only have one one shot a year to like work on floors, redo the dish pit, you know, like add lighting to the electric to the, uh, uh, smokehouse and stuff. Uh, so those were the projects that I did. And then, um, we actually, for the first time went on our vacation after we reopened the restaurant. So we opened up on Friday and then that Sunday, Stacy, Vivian, and I all jumped on a plane and took off. They had, uh, yeah, we just got back last Friday, uh, the, the night before the, uh, the dreadful fire oh, at the yeah. restaurant.
0: Welcome home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good giant eraser that just erased our whole vacation the second we got back wow um
0: i've got to learn not to ask this because you people in the restaurant business are work so hard i'm always trying to fish for where you go on vacation and you're maintaining your restaurant
3: yeah you know (laughs) got stuff to do
0: (laughs) no i think i i commend you because that that it's it's hard work and and you're doing gritty tough hot work too and uh uh, and your product is fantastic. So Aaron, um, we're glad to be able to have you here on Feast Week. since you're not going to be here, we're so glad we are able to have uh, showcase what you do and talk a little bit about franklin barbecue and uh have you visit with us really appreciate it
3: very cool well i'm sad to not be up there this year for feast but we'll we'll come back and do barbecue some other time
0: right and you'll and feast 2018 i would imagine is in your is in your scope and hot luck 2018 also
3: Absolutely. I'll be
2: both. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com.